It's good to be back again today on Search the Scriptures with all of our listeners, to be able to open up God's Word and share with you all of those truths that are written therein, where God has literally guided us into His will by sharing His mind with us through His Word. What a blessing to be able to study God's Word together and how we need to be serious about that and how we need to take it in such a way that we are not ever careless or frivolous about it, but that we realize that this really is vital to our eternal and spiritual well-being. It's good to be here today along with our listeners and to share with them along with Dennis Stackhouse. Well, thank you, Gary. It's certainly a wonderful blessing in my life to be part of this program. I do appreciate that opportunity, and I am certainly pleased and want to welcome all of our listeners as well who are with us today. It is just a real privilege, as you said, Gary, to be able to delve into God's Word and to discover those things that He's recorded for our benefit. You know, sometimes I think we fail to grasp that. We we may have a tendency to look at the Bible and say, well, it's full of don't do this and don't do that and make sure your attitude is like this and so on and so forth. But really, the bottom line is God has recorded these things for our benefit. He's instructed us on how we need to live if we ultimately want to enjoy that heavenly home with him throughout eternity. And certainly, that is something that as Christian people we should always, always be striving for. You know, Dennis, a lot of people, as you say, may look at the Bible just as a rule book Mm -hmm. with a negative connotation. Exactly. I think it is a rule book, but certainly it is not negative. No, not at all. It is given to us by God, as you said, to guide us into the best life. It is. It is for our benefit. How many times do parents have to tell children, no, don't do that? Mm Mm-hmm. And how many times do they have to tell them to do things and insist that they do things mm-hmm. that those children really don't want to do and that they don't understand mm-hmm. why do I have to do this or that? Mm-hmm. Now, later on, those children, if they grow up and they mature into mm-hmm. wisdom, they'll understand that their parents had some insight that they simply did not have. And many of us have probably found that in our own situation, Gary, exactly what you're speaking about as children. We didn't understand. You know, we were actually being instructed from a better source of wisdom than what we had at that point in time. You're right. And the principle follows when we read God's word, there may be times when we don't understand, as you pointed pointed out, all the don't do this and mm-hmm. do do that, mm-hmm. you know. But yet later, as we continue to study and as we grow spiritually and mature, Mm -hmm. we come to understand, you know, that that was for my well-being. Absolutely. Made sense. Mm -hmm. And as long as we follow God's word, we are living by his will. And he ultimately is far wiser Mm -hmm. than we are. That's for sure, Gary. You know, we're told in Isaiah 55 that his ways are higher than than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Dennis, we want to finish this particular study that we've been in talking about the benefits of following God. And it goes right along with what we've been talking about for the last few moments. We have taken our text from Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And 
we have noted in the in verses 13 and 14 where God rebukes and chastises the Israelites mm-hmm. because they have spoken against him. Right. Now, their initial response was, and we've you know made this point kind of like kids again, <laughs> uh, who be us? Yeah. What did we do? Right. What do you mean? And then he points out to them that uh, they have actually asked the question, now maybe not in so many words necessarily, but certainly God gets the intent. What good is it for us to follow God? That's right. And that's where a lot of people are today when it comes to his word. Why, why do I need to follow all of those teachings? Yes. What benefit is it to me? Mm-hmm. Well, we've looked at this from a couple of different perspectives. Some people might ask it in a very negative way, and I think a lot of people do. What does it pay me? Mm-hmm. How does it pay me? Does it pay me to serve God? Right. From a teaching perspective, though, an instructive kind of point of view, we could ask the question and use it as kind of a door opener. Does it pay to serve God? Right. And as we've been seeing, it definitely does pay, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, as we've looked and uh, tried to delve into this text a little bit on a rather deep level, Gary, uh, we have found a couple of things, a couple of areas at least, where we can see it does indeed pay to serve God. And the first one we dealt with is if we would rather be known in heaven than on earth. And of course, we looked at a number of passages in regard to that, which indicate that for one who's living as a faithful Christian, Jesus Christ himself will confess us before the Father, and not just the Father, but also before the angels in heaven. And what an encouragement that should be for someone who's really striving with all of their might to live the Christian life. Yes. We read there and we looked at a number of different passages. In verse 16 of Malachi chapter 3, it says, So a book of remembrance was written before him for Mm -hmm. those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Mm -hmm. Now, those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name, that can be understood as the faithful. Exactly. The obedient. And we we read over and over again in different passages of Scripture through the Bible about a book Mm -hmm. of one kind or another. Mm -hmm. In Revelation, it's called the book of life. Right. Wherein are the names of the saved. Mm-hmm. In other places, it's referred to as a book of one kind or another, mm-hmm. indicating, again, those who are true to God. Right. And we speculate, and we don't, can't answer the, the question definitively from our human perspective, is this really a literal book or is this simply referring to the mind of God, that God knows all those who are his? Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait until eternity to find that out. That's right. But the fact is, there is apparently a record, at least in the mind of God, Mm -hmm. of all those who are faithful to him. That's correct. And you know, Dennis, that would follow along with various passages that we've read in in previous programs about the day of judgment. Oh, yes. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 tells us that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ Mm -hmm. and that we'll give an account of what we have done in this life, whether good or bad. That's right. So certainly God knows where we're at. Mm -hmm. He knows what we do and Mm -hmm. how we live. That's correct. In verse 17 of this text, again, Malachi chapter 3, 
The text goes on and says, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Right. Boy, what a descriptive term that is. Mm-hmm. His followers, the faithful, will be his jewels. Yes. And I know another version, Gary, renders that treasure. Yes. You know, and it's, it's getting to that same idea. It's something of surpassing value and worth. Special to God. Very. Very special. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter talks about the faithful as God's own special people. He does. And I think that kind of goes along with that as well. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's really a vivid picture that Malachi is painting for us here, Gary, and one that really would have come very distinctly to the minds of those who did read this prophecy. You know, in the ancient Middle East, the king owned everything. He owned the land, he owned all the produce, he owned the people, he owned all the wealth. You know, and it, it made it a little bit difficult for the king to have something that he could embrace as a special possession because he already owned it all. And one of the things that the kings did in that situation was they would have a special box of jewels in their treasury and they were referred to as the king's special possession. And from some of the information I've read, it appears that on occasion the king would have that box of jewels brought to him, and he could look at them, and he could handle them and touch them, and it kind of reaffirmed the worth of his kingdom. Yes. You know, that goes along with what God told Samuel to tell the people when they were clamoring for a king so that they might be like the nations around them, Mm -hmm. the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. And he told Samuel, uh, warn them, if I do this for them, if they have a king, then they're going to owe the king. Mm -hmm. Yes. They're going to have to, what we would look at basically is say, pay taxes. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, they were not going to just be able to have a king as Mm -hmm. some kind of figurehead there was going to be a price to pay. Absolutely. And it turned out to be exactly that. Yes, it did. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul talks about the value of those who truly follow Jesus Christ faithfully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is that value? Well, it's in a very real sense, it's them. Yes. They themselves. In that text, Paul said, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And the price that they were bought with was the life, the physical life, of God's own Son. It was. He died on the cross to purchase or redeem those souls Mm -hmm. from the condemnation of sin. That's right. Now, although an exception, some have a treasure and are a treasure. And uh, we can be thankful to God for these people. Well, 
We really can, Gary. You know, sometimes we may get a little crosswise in our thinking about that, and we see someone who may be prospering from a material, physical standpoint, and we think, well, you know, what have they got that I don't? You know, what makes them so special that they're able to enjoy these extras that I don't have in my life? And yet, for a Christian individual, someone who is a treasure and has a treasure, physically speaking, they can be a tremendous asset to God and the work of his kingdom. And a benefit to people around them. Oh, in a very real way. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 3, what does that say? And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So these Galilean women, who apparently were women of some wealth, Mm -hmm. some substance, Mm -hmm. they actually ministered to Jesus. They did. And again, they were able to do that to the extent that they were because of what they had. Yes, as we were saying, they had a treasure on this earth. Yes, and they used that in such a way as to serve the Lord. Right. Now, what about in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, speaking of Barnabas? And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so Barnabas, and of course, one of the early named Christians and later became a very uh, influential and productive gospel worker, uh, worked with Paul kind of right alongside for a long time. Mm -hmm. He had some substance and he sold a piece of land and then gave the proceeds from that land to the work of the church. Exactly right. And so there's another case of somebody who had treasure and so used that treasure Mm -hmm. to serve God in a very open and active way. That's right. Now, there are others indicate abundant affluence that, that will belong to those who serve God and, and the evidence is otherwise. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, Jesus emptied himself. How does the text read there? But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. So Jesus had position, he had power, he had authority in heaven. Correct. But in order for him to be the savior of mankind, he had to step away from that, didn't he? Well, he really did. As you said just a moment ago, he emptied himself. And he became man Mm -hmm. so that he could go to the cross Mm -hmm. to pay for the price of the guilt of mankind's sin. Right. And he did that willingly. Yes, and of course, without that, uh, we know very well we'd be lost and without hope. Absolutely. And so what a blessing it is to have Jesus have set aside his position, Mm -hmm. his power, Mm -hmm. his authority, 
and we could say to a great extent, I suppose, probably his comfort in heaven. Oh, yes. And then to use his, his abilities to become that savior for mankind. Right. And that's a great example for us, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, how does Paul address what Jesus did in that particular text? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And of course, his poverty was from a human perspective. Yes, it was. He still was at that time God on earth. Mm -hmm. But of course, he had taken human form. And so he was, while still being fully divine, was fully human. Right. And went through all the things that humankind goes through, all those experiences. But he became poor for our sakes. Mm -hmm. Just, again, incredible. And I'm not sure that we can ever fully appreciate that action on his part. Uh, Very likely that we can't. I think you're right. Now, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and let's look at verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will keep up for themselves teachers. When you think about this, there are a lot of people out there who follow teaching that proclaims what has been called prosperity theology. Right. And so they would like to kind of uh, make a deal in a sense. (laughs) Yes. God, I'll follow you if you will give me such and such. Right. If you'll bless me in these ways and those ways. Uh, That's not the kind of faith that the New Testament teaches, though, is it? No, it really isn't. In Luke chapter 9 in verse 58, what does it say about Jesus? Foxes have holes and birds of the air, they have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It doesn't sound like he must have been a partaker of prosperity theology. Well, no, it sure doesn't. He followed God faithfully, of course, again, being God the Son. But look at how that describes him. We, We don't know of Jesus ever, ever possessing even a home of his own. That's right. On his own. That's exactly right. And yet... How could anyone say that, that he did not benefit from following God? And mm-hmm. certainly by his following God's will, submitting to God's will to come and be that Savior for us, look at all the benefit that we receive. Yes, that's right. We are really the beneficiaries or the benefactors of what Jesus has done on our behalf. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, what does Peter say? But you are a excuse me, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And here's the point that you made earlier, Dennis. If we want to be a treasure in God's eyes, then it pays to serve God. Oh, absolutely. Because the only way that God will count us his is through our submissive obedience Mm -hmm. to him. That's right. And that means living by his teachings. It certainly does. 
And at that point, we do become that special possession or that special treasure. Yes, yes. First Corinthians chapter 1. And how about reading verses 27 through 29 before we have to close? But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, Dennis, I remember many years ago, I was very heavily involved in bus ministry. And we would regularly, just about every Saturday, go into neighborhoods and canvas those areas. We would knock on doors. We would meet people who lived in those particular homes. And we would ask them, could we pick up your children? Or would you like to come to services Sunday? And if you would not, could we pick up your children and bring them to services? Mm -hmm. And we'll bring them back home. And I can't tell you how many homes we, you know, knocked on the doors of during all that time. Great, great many, hundreds and hundreds. And, you know, when we would go into a neighborhood that would appear to have some affluence, Mm -hmm. pretty well kept, the lawns were manicured, the homes were just so, um, I knew ahead of time, likely, almost for sure, we would not sign up very many children to bring the services in those neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. But when we go into the poorer neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. and you might go along and see toys strewn along the the front yard and maybe a corner of a window cracked, uh, maybe a screen pulled off the door, uh, boy, we would just sign up kids (laughs) right and left in those neighborhoods. There's something there about what what, uh, I, I think you were reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. We get so caught up so often in the affluence, the material wealth of this world and this life mm-hmm. that we forget that all of that is going to burn up one day. Right. And we need to be focused on the wealth, the benefit, the true treasure mm-hmm. of eternal life and salvation. Yes. As we're looking at in this particular section of the study, Gary, we need to be satisfied in the fact that we are a treasure rather than seeking so hard to have a treasure. That we are that special people of God. And that only comes as we are willing to serve God. Does it pay to serve God? No question about it. No question about it. Jesus Christ is the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. Good study. We would encourage our listeners to contact us and ask for that free Bible study. We will be glad to send it to you. It is absolutely free. And you can study how you can be that treasure, that treasure, God's own possession, his special people, his family in that Bible study. We hope to hear from you soon.